You are listening to The Justin Show Podcast Season 2, Episode 1. My name is Justin, and I am joined, as always, with my legendary co-host, also named Justin. In tonight's episode, we will review the Cupcake preseason. We'll give our opinions on where we see this whole season going. And in the end, we will preview the upcoming big game against the Stanford Cardinal on Saturday. Enjoy. And I can't change into a person I don't want to be so... All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first episode of season two of The Justin Show. We are happy to be back. We took a little break at the beginning of the season. Uh, Three cupcake teams doesn't give us a ton of content, but we wanted to review the preseason and then give our thoughts for Stanford coming up this weekend. But I would be remiss if I did not introduce my co-host, Along with me this season again is the legendary Justin. Justin, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be back. I've been waiting for this for a while. Um, had a few people ask me about it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to be back. We did. We debated doing this for season two. We had great reviews from season one. Um, and we decided to give it another go. So we're excited to be back. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so... What a season. We left off last year with a disappointing uh, Vegas Bowl loss to the Boise State Broncos. Willie Taggart had flown the coop to Florida State. Mario Cristobal is now the head coach. Let's fast forward through the offseason a little bit. Not a ton happened. Oregon had a decent recruiting class. But first, before we get into Oregon, I want to talk a little bit about our friend Willie Taggart. Now, Willie Taggart, the... The salesman, Willie Taggart, if you will, is now at Florida State. Florida State's 0-3. The Seminole fan base is already... They're 1-2. Oh, sorry. 1-2. You're right. You're right. You're right. Sorry. 1-2. The Seminole fan base has already started a GoFundMe account to fire Willie Taggart and buy him out of his contract, <laughs> which is hilarious. Um, and it just it makes a fan smile all the way out here in the beautiful Northwest, uh, partially because... He kind of did Oregon dirty, not because he left for his dream job. Everybody can understand mm-hmm. that. I think the the pettiness, and I am fully engaged in this, I think the pettiness comes from how he left Oregon, how he strung him along. He used Oregon's private jet for a recruiting trip only to take an interview with Florida State. All of this culminates to not having great feelings toward Willie Taggart. And now to see him struggle, I will say, is not the worst thing in the world. No, and you know, I hear a lot of people call him a snake and and all this, and I don't necessarily see it as him being a snake. Um, The guy was put in a between a rock and a hard place, albeit by his undoing. But he he chased after his dream. He he went after his dream job, as he says, and he he took it. And, And nobody could fault somebody for chasing their dream, you know. And how many times do we see very successful people in life? just quit their jobs because that's not where their passion is or, or that's not where their, their heart is. And they go after something a lot less, um, I guess, pay, like the, the pay, pay grade is a lot less than, than what they're at. And so for Taggart to leave is one thing. The way he did it is, is where me and you both have a problem. It's where a lot of people have a problem. And um, it's just, it does kind of make you, make you a little bit happy, just kind of like, you know, I was watching a couple of the games. I'm just like, this is exactly what Oregon ran last year. And they, it was awful then, and it's even worse now, it seems like. Yeah, definitely. It seems like when he doesn't have an All-American QB at Justin Herbert, uh, his offense is struggling. Even with uh, DeAndre Francois, uh, who is a serviceable quarterback, um, you just watch that offense. And it's, it's the worst parts that we saw from the Oregon offense last season. Um, and it's things that we even mentioned last year on the podcast when Oregon was winning. Uh, we saw holes. Mm-hmm. We saw cracks. We complained about the uh, the wide receiver passing tree, how there wasn't a mid-level, uh, or mid-level passing game. It was all deep or short. Uh, we talked about how there was no ingenuity on offense, how it was the same. It felt like five plays over and over and over again. Uh, we talked about how we didn't feel like there were any offensive adjustments at halftime. And these are all complaints that Florida State's having. And so I think you're kind of seeing the uh, the real Willie Taggart, the real coaching style of Willie Taggart. And, and I don't see it getting better, to be honest with you. Um, the, the Florida State 
team has had a top five recruiting class the last five years. Um, and so it's not the athletes. It's not the players. Can't complain against that. Yeah, yeah I, I don't buy into the fact that, you know, as everybody says, uh, oh, who was the coach there last Jimbo year? Fisher. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, how he le- left the cupboards bare. I, I don't necessarily buy into that. Um, if, if This isn't a talent lacking team in Florida State. It's a discipline-lacking team. Their offensive line is terrible. As you mentioned, That their passing tree is awful, and you know something that we mentioned last year. Um, the difference between Florida State this year and Oregon last year was Oregon had a, a good quarterback in Herbert, and he had an NFL running back in uh, Freeman, and this year he doesn't have that. He has a stud tight end and a good quarterback, and that's about it. And it's just... You know, the, the things, you know, his offense is simple. It's basic. He's got no, no discipline. There's no creativity. When they do try to get creative, it's at the worst time <laughs> and it's never executed properly. And, you know, and, and as Dennis Green said about the, the Chicago Bears, they were who we thought they were, you know, and we can just say that about Taggers. He is who we, who we said he was. And, uh, frankly, I, I would like to move on from Tagger and not have to mention him again and, just start talking ducks. I love that. That's a perfect segue. You should start being the host of the show. <laughs> no, you'd be coming for my job then. No. Um, as a segue, though. It, uh, it is my dream job. It is the dream job. We'll see what happens. We, we might have a, a split here. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The Justin Show will never break up. Um, okay, moving into the Oregon football team, which is who we'll focus on this season. Um, let's talk about uh, the preseason. Now, Oregon had three cupcakes this preseason. Not their own fault. Uh, I believe it was Texas A&M, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that backed out of a game this season, uh, making Oregon having to fill it with Portland State. Uh, And so Oregon had gone out. They had scheduled hard hard opponents, tough opponents, um, and that opponent backed out by a weird clause in the contract saying that if they switched conferences – uh, they were allowed to uh, break contract with Oregon. That happened when AM joined the SEC, uh, and here we are. Mm-hmm. So, oh, go ahead. And, and, and to me, that just says like they never wanted to play us. That was just on paper because you don't put that clause in unless you're actively trying to get out of a conference. But and that's I would agree. That's here nor there, I guess. Yeah. So Oregon had three cupcakes. Now. Um, Let's talk about some strengths that we saw from the first three games. And we're going to kind of lump them together. We'll give specifics from different games, but we're going to kind of lump the preseason together. Yeah. Because I feel like it was just one big cupcake game uh, over three weeks. Um, yeah, it's been, so, it's been a grind. It's been a grind, yeah. We've been there. We got through it. Um, one thing I wanted to say that I really liked, and this kind of ties in with what we just finished with Willie Taggart, is the discipline on this team. Uh, penalties mm-hmm. last year were atrocious. Every big play, it seemed like every time Oregon was getting momentum, there'd be a penalty, and that goes back to undisciplined play. Now, in the first three games, I saw a incredible improvement in the penalties and the penalties thrown during the game. You know, you don't have mm-hmm. this, the the undisciplined penalty. You, you'll get the effort penalties every once in a while, and that's fine. But when you get the unsportsmanlikes, you get the lazy procedural penalties, things like that. Um, you're not seeing that with Mario Cristobal at the helm, and I am a big fan of that because if you're not shooting yourself in the foot, you give yourself a better chance to win. Uh, so that is one of the strengths I see. And then I'm going to go really generic <laughs> and say that the quarterback position is one of the strengths as long as we don't have to go to a backup. Now, <laughs> now Justin Herbert is a special kid, obviously, a special player. He can, he can throw dimes, and I feel that's a area that Oregon's really going to have to lean on. Um, and he's get, Oregon's going to go as far as Herbert can carry them this season. That's my, that's my overall. But I think the strengths of the discipline of this team and Justin Herbert. So go ahead. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, one of the strengths for me is the defensive front seven. Um, I think a guy that doesn't get talked about enough is Austin Falua. That guy, high motor, and is just, he seems to be in every single play, and he's always around the football. It doesn't matter if it's behind the line of scrimmage or 20 yards down the field. But you got Jordan Scott, Jalen Jelks, Justin Hollins, Troy Dye, all playing at a really high level. Then you got some guys behind them who are, who are kind of not playing catch up, but, but, but they're right there on their heels. And so, so that defensive front seven is going to be 
fun to watch grow and develop. And Saturday is going to be a big test for them. Um, and the other thing is, as I said, Herbert as well, the way he's played outside of the, the San Jose state game, I think you can chalk that up to a fluke. Uh, he, you know, missed them open receivers. Um, they even throw, he had, there's a couple times where he had, uh, a receiver running down the middle of the field and he would check down and throw it over another receiver's head. And it's just one of those days that, you know, I'm sure every quarterback has it. Every person has it. it was just, you know, it was a Monday, I guess. I guess to say it for the better least, but you know, he's got an NFL arm. He's got NFL accuracy. You know, they're talking about him being the number one pick in next year's draft. If he comes out, like if you buy into that great, if not, like I understand because I'm kind of, I don't necessarily buy into it right now and we can get to that later, but the dude's six, six, two thirty. Um, he hasn't taken any big hits yet this year. And so it's just, it's fun watching him throw the football. I agree with you. Um, one thing that I thought <clears throat> was kind of interesting over this, and we'll, uh, I think let's move on to our weakness, the two weaknesses we saw. Um, but it seemed like the team against San Jose State, and this might just be rose-colored glasses or green-colored glasses, if you will, mm-hmm. um, is that they looked a little tired. They looked a little looked like they were done playing the preseason, I guess you could say. Um, and it could have it could have been from the coaches as well. The play calling was a little vanilla. Um, it didn't, they obviously aren't trying to open up the whole playbook in their, in their preseason. Um, but it just seemed by game three that they were, they were kind of tired of playing the same old, same old, uh, opening game. Obviously they're going to be hyped game one, Portland state, they just overmatched them period. Um, Mm -hmm. San Jose state, there wasn't really any drive. There wasn't really, they knew, honestly, Oregon knew, we knew we were going to win. We knew Oregon was going to win. Um, but yeah, it just seemed like they were tired and they were ready to get to the conference season. So that's I, that's what I chalk up that weird 35-22 game. And honestly, um, these games are kind of tough. Uh, these lower, uh, smaller schools, lower division schools can jump up and bite you and beat good teams. So it's not unheard of. Um, so I wouldn't, at least right now, I wouldn't put too much stock in, a, in the, the last San Jose State game. No, and, and I agree, but it, there's some glaring issues that happened in that game that kind of makes you go, uh, you know, and that, and the biggest one, which is the biggest weakness I have is the running game. I am very concerned about our running game. You know, I know Cristobal calls it the power running game and I haven't seen it. You know, and that's just me being honest and me looking at things pretty objectively is Who's our who's our starting running back? Um, right now they say it's it's Tony Brooks James, but my guess would be by the end of the season, CJ Verdell is gonna lead this team in, in rushing carries and yards. Uh, but right now, I mean we averaged like two point nine yards a carry against San Jose State. And and you can say you're tired, you can say whatever you want, but we gotta be better than that. You know, are we gonna get tired against Stanford? They're they're big, bigger, more physical, and so that that's my biggest concern is the running game, and the other one is just the consistency on offense, catching the football, um, playing. You know, we've had, it seems it, to me it seems like there's been a lot of three and outs. Um, I don't know if we're a little overhyped now that we're three and zero, oh, and I, I'm a, I'm still not sold on our offensive coordinator Marcus Arroyo. Like is he is he proven yet, or is he still unproven? And so, so those are some question marks that I have coming into league play. Definitely, and I I I agree with you. Um, my first of the two weaknesses <clears throat> is the running game, and I have a little different view of it than you. Uh, it seems like Oregon. This is the first time Oregon hasn't had an either entrenched starter or a just. Uh, uh, go-to option at running back um, in 10 years, 12 years, something like that. Oregon's always yeah, had I mean, that. Yeah, go ahead. I would agree with that. Yeah. And so, um, and I think that this new red shirt rule may be playing a slight factor into that. Now, um, especially with Troy Dye getting carries, I think he's a red shirt candidate. Um, and so I'd hope they would go from whatever it is, four or five running backs to three running backs. Uh, in the Stanford game, and I think that is Tony Brooks-James, uh, C.J. Verdell, and then insert generic 
uh, running back number three. <laughs> um, I don't know who they'll put at that, but it just seems like maybe with that the extra redshirt games that they're allowed to play, th- that may have played a little more into not choosing their, their starting trio. And I, I believe that we need to get those running backs set because I believe that's a weakness to not have your one and two defined as well as they have. I guess that makes sense. Um, Tony yeah. Brooks James he- looks a step slow, and that could be uh, he's not – the holes aren't getting opened like he thought they would or something. He just doesn't look. He looks like he's off a little bit. Verdell looks like the better running back. Yeah. And I will disagree with you on one thing. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they redshirt uh, Darian Felix and play die this year. Interesting. Felix did injure his foot in the last game. So it will be interesting to see uh, what they do. Uh, number two weakness, and this is something that really concerns me actually going forward into Pac-12 play, um, and it's the weakness at wide receiver. Uh, I have not been impressed at all with the wide receiver core. This is a weakness going into the season. Um, I thought they had maybe addressed it with uh, bringing in Tabari Hines, and I had hoped Justin Schooler and Dylan Mitchell had all stepped up, but I am not seeing it. And even when Herbert delivers a dime, these receivers are dropping the football. I mean, there, there are times where it literally it goes straight through their hands and hits them in the face mask, and they'll drop it. You know, uh, Johnny Johnson's had some spectacular catches, and he's also had some spectacular drops. Um, and so my concern is going forward, there were times in the San Jose State game where there were coverage sacks. Now, that could be, like you said, Herbert not seeing the whole field like he needed to, but when your receivers can't get open against San Jose State, no offense to those DBs, but they should be able to get open against them. My concern now mm-hmm. is heading into Pac-12 play where you have Pac-12 defensive backs that are going to be uh, covering them instead of you know, Division One AA or whatever it is called now. Yeah, and, and to your point, and I'm not sure why Brendan Schooler hasn't been getting more run. I know he got hurt last week, but to me, like I know Johnson had a really good freshman year, but he hasn't shown the consistency this year in, in three games. He, he has a, a drop. It seems like every drive or every first drive. Now last week it was Mitchell that had a drop, um, but you know, the ball was underthrown, but he still should have caught that. Uh, but Brennan Schooler, to me, is the guy that, that I think Oregon can lean on as far as their, their running game. And in the stands, I always yell out, throw it to the former safety. And, <laughs> you know, he usually catches it. Uh, and I think with Tabari Hines, I think they're just taking it easy with that injury. You know, he had, you know, some sort of a knee surgery. And I think they're just trying to take it easy with him for now. Gotcha. And that makes sense. And they might come into their own. Dylan Mitchell might start to play again. <laughs> but it's just... It's worrisome heading into Pac-12 play that that has been so inconsistent. Because, um, I mean, they can only get the ball delivered to them. They have to make that catch. And it doesn't matter how athletic you are or how fast you are. If you can't catch the football, you don't, you're don't. you not on the field. So um, those are my two weaknesses. One other weakness, um, and you may – I would like to hear your thoughts on this as well, um, is Thomas Graham. I'm a little bit concerned yeah. with Thomas Graham heading into Pac-12 play. He had a great – first couple of games of the season last year. Um, mm-hmm. And he got torched in Pac-12 play, usually about once a game. And it seems like, hopefully not, but it seems like against San Jose State, he had another game. He had another struggle. He struggled in that game. Um, what are your thoughts? You've seen him play a little better. You have a little better eye for that. Do you have any opinion toward that? Do you think that's a good assessment? Are we overreacting to some preseason? I think there's a little overreacting. I think... You know he's our he's our best cornerback on the team. I think there's there's no question about that. Um, is he though? Because Lenore is is defending has more passes defended than Graham does. That's because they're not throwing it towards Graham. That's fair. I mean, I can throw the football. Toward, you know, if you're covering a receiver and I threw it at you fifty times, you're gonna have fifty passes defended. But That's if right, I throw I it over, not deep, one of those are getting but through. But if I but if Deion Sanders is on the other side, I don't throw it at all because I know what's going to happen. Does that mean you're the better corner than than Deion? And don't even say yes. I think that's up for interpretation. <laughs> uh, and I just think Graham, and we also have to understand is Graham plays the field side of of, of the corner of the cornerback position, while um, Lenore plays the uh, boundary. The boundary side, yeah, and so. They're, they're, in a way, two different positions. Um, they're still cornerbacks, agreed. But 
you are half, you are on an island with a lot more room to run. True. Um, that one. Well, no, I'm not worried about. I'm not worried about Graham right now. All right, we may revisit that later in the season. I have a, a big old "I told you so." No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, that wide receiver for that plays for Stanford. He's got the dual last name. Uh, I just can't remember his name off the top of my head. Whiteside. Yeah. JJ Sende Whiteside or something. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, his name I feel like he may have a big game against Oregon, but. Yeah. Okay, so those are our two strengths, two weaknesses uh, we saw in the preseason. Let's do a little game by game prediction for the season, just so we everybody can kind of get our our hot takes. Um, just kind of our predictions. So we'll start with the game on Saturday. We won't do score predictions quite yet, but we'll do just overall predictions. Game day is in town. The first time since 2014. The first time since mm-hmm. Morgan played Michigan State, uh, and that was kind of Marcus's Heisman moment game. Um, Oregon has a pretty good track record with game day being there. Really, they've only lost once or twi- twice, I believe, uh, against Cal in 2000, what is that, seven, and uh, then Stanford in 2013 or 11. Yeah, Stanford. Stanford, the boogeyman of Oregon. Actually, it's been a pretty even series the last 10 years. It's been a good rivalry. Yeah, it's been it's been fun, but it's just that team that when you think about it, you're just like, oh, I hate those nerds. Yeah. They suck. Um, so off the top of your head, win or loss, Stanford? Uh, we lost. We lose. We I think lose. they're just going to be too tough. I think they're too tough. You know, we're not used to going against that yet. We, we just come off of three pretty easy games, and I think they're going to be too physical for us. Stanford comes in Eugene and beats Oregon. I, I'm going to go positive. I think Oregon beats Stanford. I think Arroyo opens up the playbook. He opens up a lot of things Stanford hasn't seen yet. I think – Austin gets packed. It's a 5 p.m. kickoff. The students are back in town. I think the odds yeah, and magic going to help. I think the odds and hey, we're getting to that. I think the odds and magic comes back, and I think Oregon gets the W. All right. Next All right. game, Oregon heads down to Cal. Plays at Cal, dangerous team. Cal. I think they're probably a bowl yeah, team this seven, year. Seven thirty kickoff too. Pac twelve after dark. I think yeah. Oregon loses this game after a big win against Stanford. I think it's going to be a, a tough, I think it's going to be a close game, but I think Herbert wins, wins it at the end. He redeems himself for his freshman season triple overtime loss. Yeah. Um, after Cal, then UW comes back to Eugene, the first time back since that 70-point ringer, since Herbert's first start as a true freshman. Seems like just yesterday. <laughs> they grow up fast. They grow up so fast. What do you think? Oregon beats UW. Oregon loses to UW. Um, I think because we'll be coming off a bye. I think our front seven's going to break Browning. I think if you looked, if I don't know how much of that Utah game, Utah should have won that game, but their offense was atrocious. They pulled the Utah, and they had a D lineman who should have had a fat boy touchdown fumble <laughs> it out of you know on the eleven. Um, I, I think I think Washington's a little overrated, um, I and I think Oregon wins. I think Oregon, I think Oregon wins. wins. We agree because you know why? Because I will never choose UW to beat Oregon. Never. I'll never. I'll never choose UW to beat Portland State. Exactly. I'll take. I will die on that hill. All right. Next, they travel to the Palouse. Play wash at Washington State. Always a dangerous game. The Pirate is up there. Uh, what are we thinking? I I worry about this game. I never like going to Pullman. Washington State's beat Oregon the last what four years, three years, something like that. Yeah, something like three, so, four. Yeah, That's so four. I think Oregon loses to Washington State. All right, I I think they're going to win easy. They. I just think I don't know why I think that Jalen Jalen Jelks pins his ear back and uh, creates havoc all game, huh? Yeah, oh yeah, him and him and Hollins love it. Uh, Then they had two Arizonas uh, down in the desert. I think they win that one. I agree. I I don't know who this quarterback for Arizona is, but it's not the same guy they had last year. It's not Khalil Tate. Oh, is that who, who their quarterback is this year? I think so. At least he was last year. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Cause it sure hasn't played like it. No, they've been terrible. Um, yeah. Sumlin. And just just FYI, all, all those people out there that said, oh, go get someone, go get someone. 
I hope you go bury your head in the sand for making such a ridiculous statement. You know, he never did anything at Texas A&M with all those big no. classes. He never. He's not going to do anything at Arizona either. He took a Heisman-worthy quarterback and made him trash. After Oregon beats Arizona, <laughs> take, <laughs> after Arizona loses, UCLA comes to Eugene. The return of Chip Kelly. Will he have his offense turned around by then? What do you think? UCLA at home? Uh, poor Chip. Poor, poor Chip. Uh, my question is, does he still have it? Um, I think so. I, I just – it baffles me that they can't – win a game. Um, I think Oregon wins easily. Uh, I just, I just feel bad for Joel Chipper. Are you, what's the crowd reaction? Do you think, do you think it'll give him a slight cheer when they announce his name? I hope we go eight, eight bananas for them. (laughs) (laughs) Eight bananas folks. Eight bananas. Um, I hope we just go crazy. I really do. I think he deserves it. What? Oh, like cheering for him. Yeah. Yeah. Just, he didn't leave in a bad yeah. way. He went to the NFL. There's no, there's no hard feelings there. Um, yeah, and he never, he never talked about how. Oh no, I'm going to be with Oregon until I die. And yeah. it was always, you always knew that he's always one step out the door. I thought he would honestly stay a little bit longer, but hey, you know he's back. But in uh, UCLA blue, so Oregon then goes to Utah. Always a tough game late in the season. Uh, I think they win though. I think Oregon beats Utah. Yeah, I, I, you know, Utah's tough. Their their defense is tough. It's a tough place to play. You can probably guarantee it'll be, you know, after it'll be a late kickoff. Um, but at the end of the day, Utah's still Utah. They're going to pull a Utah, do something dumb, and lose. Um, did we select for UCLA? I think Oregon beats UCLA. Yes, we both said okay. that. Okay, I just want to make sure. Um, okay, yeah. yeah, so they go into Utah. I think they beat Utah. Um, then Arizona State, Herm Edwards comes to the Eugene. He beat Michigan State, which I don't think anybody thought was going to happen. Um, no. But then lays a dud in game number three. Um, what do you think, Oregon? It's at. It's in Eugene. Senior day. Yep, yep. I think they beat him. I think Wilkins and uh, – Nikhil Harry will be way too much for for the young secondary, and I think Arizona State wins. Well, they were way too much for the Oregon secondary last year, and they only lost by seven. Yeah, it's just better coach. Better coach. Interesting. You're on the Herm Edwards train, huh? I just think he knows, and I think by the end of the season, these guys will be playing you know, a better brand of football. You don't think Oregon will be playing a better brand of football? I didn't say that. Uh, well, you you implied it. <laughs> I should. <laughs> it's. I opposite. think Arizona Arizona State's talented. Uh, Manny Wilkins is is a very gifted quarterback. He torched us last year. Um, he's going to be hard to contain in the pocket, and and if you don't have a good solid rush, then he'll find. He's kind of like Russell Wilson. He'll find that escape route and, and, and make you pay. Interesting. Interesting. And then the last game of the season, last Pac-12 game of the season, most likely, Oregon goes to Corvallis to play the Plucky Beavers. Mm-hmm. Civil War. Jonathan Smith's first Civil War as a coach. What do you think? I think Oregon wins big and, and they win easy. I have to agree with you. Uh, so Oregon goes bowling off of that uh, prediction schedule. Um who knows what bowl they'll be assigned? I'm hoping it's a New Year's Six, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I have them going ten and two. Uh, I don't know what you, what you have them doing, but uh, I have them going ten and two. Yeah, I think I had them going nine and three. To be honest with you, I didn't write it down, but I think that's what I said. Um, okay, hot take. Then at the end of the season, does Justin Herbert return? This is your this is your time to make a statement. There's no going back. Yes, he comes back yes. for his senior season to play with his younger brother Patrick. Yeah, I just think, you know, Herbert's that guy that wants to get his degree. The dude is out of his mind smart. He's, you know, a 4.0 GPA or something ridiculous like that. Um, and I just think he's he's got bigger things ahead of him than just football. And so I think he's, he knows that. And 
if he stays healthy this year, this will be the first full year he's ever had um, as a quarterback, and he's had you know two half seasons, so he's really only played two seasons, and I think he'd he'd like to get one more in. Yeah, I uh, I actually agree with you. Now we talked about this uh, with Mariota as well, saying that you know he's not, but I mean when that money comes calling, if he's a projected number one pick, it might be a little tougher decision. So it'll be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say that he comes back. Uh, you know, he's a Eugene kid. His brother's coming in next season, um, play tight end. So hopefully all that weighs in and he comes back for another season. But I guess we'll find out, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, moving on. One thing I wanted to ask you, you went to all three of the first preseason games. Talk a little about yeah. the atmosphere. How was the stadium? How are the fans reacting to the team? What were your thoughts? Um, I, my first impression of the, now this is just of the new rules where you can't leave at halftime and come back in. Right. Is I think it's it's forced fans to to stay in the stadium. Um, gotcha. Now, obviously, you know it, it's a little hard to say that or to, to to kind of recognize that just because it has been three. You know, two of the games have been over by halftime. The other one was San Jose State. A lot of people left that game early just because it was a frustrating game to watch. It really was. Um, but there, there was a third. I, I can't remember if it was a third down or fourth down from San Jose State, and they, the crowd was actually loud. Oh. Like we actually stood up in our seats and was loud. Um, the thing that you know the the weird thing is in the first game they tried to do the swag surf and clearly nobody wanted to do that not even the players but then they had this viking horn that is no longer there and and do they play the joker and the thief song or do they try something new so so that they need to figure out they're like, still kind of trying to figure joke, out their personality almost yeah to me anytime you play that joker and the thief everybody stands up they start clapping they make noise so so far it's just like it's just been like on third downs they nobody really knows what to do. So so to me the university needs to figure that out. Um yeah. but really and to be honest with you, it's been kind of a blah atmosphere. Um but a lot of that is the opponent. Yeah, you get that when you get three cupcakes in a row, especially by that third game, people are kinda like, Okay, you know, it's a, it's yeah. a big it's a big expenditure. Um what are now specifically for those three games? Let's talk about three things you liked and then three things you did not like that you saw. I think our pass rush, our defensive pass rush, uh, has been fairly solid. I think Holland and Jelks on the outside are going to create ha- create havoc. Uh, and then you got Austin uh, Falua. I don't even know how you pronounce that, uh, but he, he's a motor. And I, and I mentioned this before. He, he's just that motor that, that never wants to stop. And he always, and, you know, between him and Jordan Scott, they always collapse the pocket at some point. And so it, our pass rush, then the second thing is it's kind of an offensive player and defensive player is Ugo Mahdi has been out of his mind. Good this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in the backfield. He's, you know, having a pick six, he's making tackles in the open field. And he looks like that guy that from when he stepped on campus and John Neal said, Oh, this guy is going to be so good. Like finally we're starting to see that, you yeah. know, he, and he's accepted this position change and he is one of the leaders of the defense. I don't know if I would say him or Troy Dye is the actual leader, but, but he's one of the co-captains, I guess you could say. Uh, and the other one is Herbert, um, Outside of the San Jose State game, the dude was unreal out of his mind, made a couple bad decisions with, with some early turnovers. But it's just – I think he – I just think he's an NFL uh, quarterback. And the third thing is the youth on this team. There's so many really good freshmen. You've got uh, Panay Sewell, who's starting left tackle. Javon Holland, I don't know if you had a chance to, to isolate him on anything. That dude can, can bring the, the wood when he hits people. Um, Adrian Jackson's going to be good. Jalen Red, we know what he can do. But the one guy that really intrigues me is uh, I'm going to butcher his name. He's a six-two corner. It's uh, Kali Halasi or okay. something. However, yeah. we say Close that. Close enough. Yeah, I think we know who you're talking about. Halasi. <laughs> yeah. like yep. Halasi. Let's yeah. call him Halasi. I like but it. He 
I just think that, that these guys are going to come on really strong by the end of the year, and they're going to, to play big minutes for Oregon. I like it. Uh, okay, and the so, other thing, I, I added like a 3B, and that was the, the penalties, which we already talked about. Right, right. Well, yeah, to kind of circle back on that. So the three things that I liked, um, one is obviously the play of Justin Herbert. If you watch how he delivers the ball, um, occasionally he'll have too much zip on it, but um, especially in the first two games, he was putting that ball on an actual dime. He was putting it in some of the only spots, either his receiver was catching it or nobody was catching it. And that was one thing that I like to see, and that's one thing that I think he's improved upon um, this season so far as compared to last season is there were some throws and they call it making an NFL throw, right? It's the kind of throws that mm-hmm. your, your passing window to the wide receiver um, is very small. The timing has to be on. Now, did the wide receiver catch it? <laughs> That's still to be seen, but um, <laughs> Justin Herbert is putting the ball where it needs to go. Uh, number two, three things I liked is having, uh, it, like you said, and I'm going to butcher this name as well, the the freshman uh, left tackle, correct? Pene, Pene Sewell? Sewell? Sewell. Sewell. Sewell, yeah. The fact that they can, Sewell. they can put him right where uh, Tyrell Crosby left that position after uh, being more or less a three-year starter there, um, getting a true freshman in there and having him hold his own is huge. Um, and that is... That's big. Uh, offensive linemen usually don't come in as start and tr- as start as true freshmen, so that is that is great to see. Hopefully, um, he will continue to stay injury free. I know he dinged his ankle um, the last game, but I think he'll be all right. Uh, and then mm-hmm. the third thing I liked is just the overall the defense overall. Uh, the linebackers worry me a little bit, not because of their lack of effort, but just because of their lack of size. Uh, Adrian Jackson is going to be a baller um, in the middle there. Uh, Troy Dye, again, uh, leader on the defense. The secondary looks good outside of some Thomas Graham miscues. Um, overall, the defense doesn't worry me. I think they can hold up in Pac-12 play. Uh, what are three things that you did not like to see? What did you, Three things you saw in this preseason that said, uh-oh, or gave you pause for concern? Well, I've, I've already mentioned one of them once, and that's our running game. Um, it's pretty well non-existent. It seems like against Portland state, we had two guys over a hundred yards. We the media try to make a big deal of that, but, but that should happen. Yeah. You know, um, I don't, I don't know how much of that is that we don't have that threat of the quarterback, not running. Um, but I don't know. Uh, maybe talk a little bit. Thing. Why, why are you, why do you think that's happening? Why is the run game struggling? Um, it's just a different system. It's a different philosophy than what we're used to. Uh, and you know, before everything was all, was the kind of a stretch. We're going to, we're going to run and there is no defined hole. Like you're going to run, find it, find a seam and you're going to hit it. And this year it's a lot different. It's you're going to run in between, you know, they're going to run off of this guard's backside. Who's pulling and this tackle is going to down block and, and, or whatever. And so it's just, it's more congested, more congested, uh, and it's just. I don't. I don't want to say boring. It's just. It's just non-existent right now. It's. It's sad to say. It's a little concerning, <laughs> actually. It is, and, and that's what big. Now, how much of that is just because it's so vanilla and so basic that we didn't want to show anything off? Now we could come out and run some exotic sets against Stanford, and that's our true. Uh, running game packages is, and you know, maybe we have, you know, Tony Brooks James goes for 200 yards, then I'll, I'll gladly eat crow. But until I see it, I'm going to, I'm going to be concerned about it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, the, the second thing is our kicking game, especially field goals. I know Adam stack has been hurt and he's been back, but uh, that's, I mean, if, if we have to rely on a field goal at the end of the game, we might be in trouble. <laughs> and the last the last thing is four home games in a row. It's a drag for fans. <laughs> it is tough. And I'm actually going to go to the Cal game, so that's five games in a row for oh me. Oh, my goodness. We got a super fan. We got a super yeah. fan down here. <laughs> super. Uh, three things that I did not like in the preseason that I saw. One um, was the lack of running game like you just talked about. And we haven't talked about this, folks, so we're kind of – we may double up on some of these things. 
Uh, great minds think alike. I think my great mind, you know. Um, so the the lack of running game, and like you said, um, at times it seems like the offensive line isn't able to open up those holes, and at other times it seems like the running backs aren't seeing them, aren't hitting them. Um, either they they aren't trusting the blocks to set up or what have you, uh, or they're trying to stretch it outside, or they're just not getting in a rhythm because they're rotating five running backs through right now. Um, another weakness, like I talked about above. Um, that showcase itself was the wide receivers who will step out to be that number one go-to wide receiver. I haven't seen it yet. Maybe it's Johnny Johnson. Maybe it's Dylan Mitchell. Maybe it's Tabari Hines. Who knows? But we need somebody to step up before Stanford next week or this week on Saturday. Um, And then the third weakness, excuse me, uh, is I am concerned, like you've kind of said about the offensive play calling. Now, if it was, Vanilla. It may have been vanilla because he didn't want to open up everything uh, against three kind of uh, cupcake teams. But overall, just a little bit worried about the play offensive play calling. Defense, I don't really have a worry um, at all. One question I have for you uh, is co- is about Coach Jim Levitt, the defensive coordinator. He seemed like he was very vocal and very uh, almost associate head coach last year. Um, mm-hmm. And it seems like this year he's dialed it back a lot. You, it seems like we hardly hear from him almost. Um, have you noticed that? Do you think that's just different philosophies? Do you think he's kind of toned it back and focusing on the defense uh, because of how the whole like coaching situation went? What do you think? Um, I I was actually talking about this with some friends here the other day, and, and what gets me is you know he's been very vocal about how he he wants to be a head coach again. Like yeah. that's that's what he wants, and. In order to do that, like one of the things that's required of a head coach is to be in front of the media a lot. And so this year, when they named um, Hayward and uh, Save as co-defensive coordinators along with Levitt, at first I was like, "Was well, that just to give them more money, or to justify giving them more money?" Like I don't understand. But now he never has to mute the media because yeah. you can just get one of the other defensive coordinators to do that. And so to me, I wonder how much of it is, is he doesn't like dealing with the media. How much of his, how much of it is it that he knows he's not going to be here for much longer. His family still lives in Colorado. Um, and so I, I don't know. Like, I, would I be surprised if, Twitter breaks one night saying Jim Levitt's left the program. No, not necessarily. It would suck. Would I be surprised? No. See, I'm actually uh, thinking the other way on this. Now, hear me out. Is that last season, he was being vocal, trying to get it um, in front of it, trying to put his brand, his stamp, if you will, uh, on, the, on the defense there. After the changeover, because in his contract, when he signed with Oregon, it pretty much says he can't leave – uh, he won't get a payout unless he goes to Kansas State. More or less, he can go to Kansas State without any uh, issues or any legal mm-hmm. contract issues. Um, uh, Bill Snyder at Kansas State just signed like another three or four year contract, so I think he's biding his time until Kansas State comes calling. So I think he's, I think he's getting back into the trenches. I think he's going to focus on Oregon until that Kansas State job opens up. See, this is where I'm going to disagree because Kansas State's never going to open up. What's going to happen is that Snyder's going to keep dragging this out. We know he's not the actual coach. It's his son. So what's going to happen is, is they're going to do this for a couple more years, and then right before the season, like at the beginning of August, Bill Snyder's going to step down and resign. What's Kansas State going to do? They're just going to put the interim tag on his son, and if he has a successful year, what are they going to do? They're going to remove the tag, hire him as, as the head coach. I think if Colorado ever fired their coach, I think I could see him going to Colorado. Yeah, I can see that. But I, but I, I just he he seems to me like the guy that that likes to build defenses from the ground up. And once he gets to the top, he doesn't know what to do. Like there's nothing more to build, so he has to go somewhere else. That's a good point. So I that'll be something to watch. It'll be interesting to watch uh, kind of how that develops. I agree. Is there – so one part I want to bring up, uh, we'll call it the BSM. That's what I named it. Uh, call it the Big Scary Monster. Uh, and I – this is what I want to bring up is last year you and I had kind of private conversations and then mentioned it a little bit on the show how we had questions about Taggart's offense, how we weren't loving it. They were still putting up a lot of points, but Freeman was running the ball 40 times a game, uh, what have you, things like that. 
do you see in this first in these first three games any cracks in the foundations? Anything that Oregon's kind of uh, covering with another like uh, with just superior skill or or something like that? Um, I probably the, the the biggest thing that, that, that scares me and the thing that that I'm going to continue to talk about until it's fixed is the running game, mm-hmm. but. But probably little more so than that is the staff and the timeline that they're going to be here. Yeah. Uh, you look, we've got some, you know, you got Hayward that's going to be due. You got Save that's going to be due for, for um, a better, not better, not a better place to work, but a coordinator position, like an actual full time coordinator position. You got Arroyo, if, if he has a successful year, he can move on and get that head coach. And so, how many of these guys are going to be here in the next? you know, two to three to four years. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point is how long can the staff stay together? How long can they actually build with the classes they're bringing in? Um, well, one thing that'll be interesting to see is how crystal ball hires assistants because assistants come and go. Um, and you've seen at Alabama, how Nick Saban just honestly seems to plug and play his assistants, uh, cause mm-hmm. his guys leave all the time. So it'll be interesting to see if crystal ball has taken anything from that and is able to com- continue to develop and continue to build a program uh, when he loses the assistance because it will happen. It's not organized immune to it. Yeah. And I think if you look at the, the guys that he had, had, he had to hire when uh, like Pimpleton and some of those other guys went with Tagger is he went and got a guy that uh, is, a, is a well-known uh, running backs coach that, that helped create the pistol offense. He went and got two guys that were really close to him in the, in the offensive line coach and the, and uh, I can't think of his name. Um, oh, it's going to bother me until I find it, but also, but also the, uh, the tight ends coach, mm-hmm. like those are two guys that were close to him. And then he goes out and gets a bunch of sec type um, uh, strength coaches, Mirabal, yeah. Alex Mirabal, the offensive line coach. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you see this and he, he's kind of building in the SEC of the West with a kind of a no huddle offense. That's okay with me. I, I'm not going to say no. I do really like coach Feld, uh, Oregon strength and conditioning coach. If you haven't seen him, go look up a picture of him. Coach Feld, uh, he's got an amazing mustache. I always respect the mustache. Uh, he's a great guy. Yeah. I, I agree. Uh, me and the girl forget to fight all the time because she doesn't think it's a very good mustache, and I think she's nuts. Um, I think that that is a – we're going to sidetrack into a relationship. This, the Justin show is very <laughs> unique. We can talk about anything. <laughs> you know, I think you really need to question a relationship status that doesn't fully support the growth of a majestic mustache. I Trust me, we've had this conversation. Maybe we'll make a spinoff show uh, based on relationship <laughs> advice for the Justin yeah. show. I think that I think that may be needed. No. Um, okay. Moving back into our actual field of uh, expertise here, or ish. Um, Oregon plays Stanford on Saturday, 5 p.m. ABC. Game day is here. Predictions. Score predictions. Or, or let's first do Oregon will win if uh, Oregon wins if they can create some early turnovers that force Stanford out of their game plan. If Herbert finds receivers and the receivers catch the ball. And if Oregon can find their power running game um, and not be one-dimensional, they, they have a fighting chance. Oregon wins if they create turnovers and are not one-dimensional. What if what, Oregon will lose if they do this? Oregon, if Stanford controls the flow of the game, if Oregon can't run the ball, if Oregon turns the ball over, um, Stanford will win, especially if they control the flow of the game. Interesting, interesting. Okay, uh, and it's that time again, folks. We're bringing it back for season two. It's your favorite part of the show. It's my favorite part of the show. I know it's Justin's favorite part of the show. It's the super specific predictions of the week. Justin, give us me, give me your super specific predictions. Uh, if you say the Verdell's defense gonna... will score, I will turn this show off right now. <laughs> Verdell's going to lead the team in carries and yards this week. Okay, I like it. I like it. Is it just one, or you want me to go? Uh, I can I can run through my my other two. Yeah, yeah run through your two, then I'll go. Uh, Aaron Feld will pass out from flexing too hard <laughs> on the sideline. Fill the sleeves. Fill the sleeves. <laughs> and number three. Don't even say it. <laughs> the defense scores, baby. Oh my god, the defense scores. Okay. <laughs> well, 
You Bye. know I had to. <laughs> you know, just I'm just because of that, I'm gonna add one in. I'm gonna say special teams will score, and that doesn't include extra points. That means punt return or kickoff return. Uh, Ugo Uchukuo Amadi will have a sack, at least one sack in the game. Okay, so that's two. Okay. Uh, and number three, Oregon does something special in this game, whether it be a helmet, a jersey, special socks. Something special will happen for this game day game. Uh, it may be something at the stadium. It'll be something special, and I will I will find it, and I will be right about this. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. What is your score prediction as we end the show here? So as you guys know, if you remember back, um, I said Stanford wins this game. So the score is going to be 38-28. Oregon wins. Oh, so my I can goodness. never, never actually predict that they'll lose. It's a real homer. It's a real homer show is what I'm hearing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I believe that Oregon's going to come out. Oregon's going to hit Stanford in the mouth early, um, and then they're going to hold on for a tight 28-26 victory. Oregon gets put back on the national stage. Justin Herbert's Heisman campaign gets kicked off at a national level. Herb Street is seen walking out of the stadium in a Justin Herbert jersey. Mm. Is he calling the game? I, I guess he would because it's yeah. the, it's the, it is the ABC game of the right, week or correct, whatever. Correct, yeah. So, All right, folks. That's all we have for the first episode. We'll be back next week with the review of the Stanford game and the preview of the Cal game. Let, let's see. Where can you find us? You can find us on Twitter, uh, at The Justin Show. Uh, tweet us your mm-hmm. questions. Tweet us your comments. We'll bring them up on the show. Uh, go Ducks. Justin, send us out with your final words. <laughs> final words. Um you know, it, this is going to be a good team, and it may take uh, – there's probably be some inconsistencies with not only the, the, the players themselves but also the coaching staff. Um, but, I, but I do think in a couple of years this, this team and this coaching staff is going to be something um, that we look back on and be like, wow, that was a special group. Uh, and so enjoy the ride. Don't get caught up in, in the bad things. Go hug, go, go hug your loved ones, and as always, go Ducks. Go Ducks.